0: All right, well, uh, let's take our Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 3 tonight, 1 Timothy 3. And we are going to continue on with uh, the series that we started. Well, we we technically started it uh, last year back in 2022, Continue in Doctrine. Um, It's just taking us a long time to get through uh, the different doctrines in the Bible. We don't want to go too fast. We don't want to belabor things that unnecessarily, but uh, we do want to take our time and cover what we, what we can, um, maybe a little more in-depth than, than what you would do in a normal, like, little brief discipleship class. Um, we're taking some extra time to dive a little bit deeper into some of these things, uh, but uh, we're going to be—we've we've talked about many different doctrines. We are now in the doctrine of ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. And we've talked about several aspects. We've talked about the owner of the church. We've talked about the uh, operation of the church and obligations of the church. But now we're going to be looking now at the offices of the church. And the first office that we're going to be looking at is the office of the pastor. And uh, we're not talking necessarily about the the room in which he works. Um, that's not the office that we're talking about. It's the role, of the pastor that we're referring to. Okay. Um, you're like, yeah, let's talk about your office and, uh, you know, it needs to be redecorated. And I don't really like the, uh, the lighthouses, the the lighthouse theme you've got going on in there. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, plus there is a Dallas stars, uh, travel mug, um, there and, uh, the season starts tomorrow. Just saying. Um, but anyway, no, we're not talking about the room. We're talking about the 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 role in which um, a man fills in the church. And there are two offices, uh, pastor and deacon, and tonight we're gonna zero in on uh, the pastor and what his role and responsibilities are. And then uh, after this, we'll talk about the deacon um, and his role and responsibilities within the church, uh, biblically speaking. and uh, you might be looking at the outline tonight and say, there's no way we're going to finish tonight. Well, you're probably correct, because <laughs> there's a lot of bonus bonus points tonight, and uh, we're going to take our time with it, but uh, I want to try to get th- through this in, in uh, probably two, uh, two messages. First Timothy chapter three, let's pick it up here. Um, this is not the only passage in the Bible that, that deals with uh, this role, this office of a church, but... Um, this is one of the the richer passages so first timothy 3 1 through 7 the bible says this this is a true saying if a man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given to hospitality apt to teach not given to wine no striker not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And I like how Paul starts this uh, passage in verse number one, where he says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And and I believe being a pastor now for five uh, years, um, I believe that 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 little saying right there that he desireth a good work is so true because it is work, and I realize that you know some some have the perception or at least the joke you know hey it'd be great to be a pastor because then you only have to work one day a week that would be super nice, um, and uh, and and you might be thinking that and I, I don't I don't just work one day a week um, I also work Wednesdays so two days a week um, no. Um, I, I, I work throughout the week, and uh, while it may not be uh, the, the schedule that you might have at, at your job where it's you have to be there for a certain, a certain amount of hours, um, uh, my, my, my schedule is a little different where it's a little bit more uh, flexible, but it, it is a work, and, and there is effort that goes into uh, pastoring a church and caring for the um, people within the church. Um, So it's a work, but, but I like that word good there. It's not just a drudgery. It's not just another job. It's a good work. And, and I really feel that way in my, in my ministry. I, I I know it's work. I know it's effort. I know there's labor that's required and, and I'm glad to do it because it's a good work. Um, And if a man desires to do this, he desires a a very good thing. And, it doesn't mean that there's not very difficult days and it's hard to even put it into words. There's um, there's a pastor who wrote something uh, that I'll read at the end of this message. We'll probably not get to it tonight, so probably next week. But uh, that that does a pretty good job at explaining some of the uh, roller coaster of emotions that go on in the heart of a pastor as he ministers to God's people. It's um there's some wonderful days and there's some very difficult days as well, but it is ultimately, as Paul says, a good work. Um, someone <laughs> wrote this about a pastor. This is not what I was referencing, but this is a different um, explanation of, of of what a pastor does. The pastor, he, he said, the pastor teaches, though he must solicit his own classes. So as I teach, as I preach, uh, I better make sure that I'm attentive to the words that I'm saying because I wanna be faithful to those myself. Uh, He heals though without pills or knife. He is sometimes a lawyer, often a social worker, something of an editor, a bit of a philosopher, an entertainer, a salesman, a decorative piece for public functions, and he is supposed to be a scholar. He visits visits the sick, marries people, buries the dead, labors to console those who sorrow and to admonish those who sin and tries to stay sweet when chided for not doing his duty. He plans programs, appoints committees when he can get them, spends considerable time in keeping people out of each other's hair. Between times, he prepares a sermon and preaches it on Sunday to those who don't happen to have any other engagement. Then on Monday, he smiles when some jovial chap roars, what a job one day a week. (laughs) And uh, I wouldn't agree with all the little things in that, but uh, that 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 just gives a little bit of an idea. And 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 the purpose of this uh, message is not to, um, is really not to. It, it's really for more for me, um, but it, but it's not about me. Um, and so I don't want you to be thinking about me per se. I want you to be thinking about, you know, hey, if if God ever moves us, which I hope God doesn't move any one of you, uh, I want you here, but. But to, and then, and then also, I, I, I suppose it would be good to hold me to these truths. I think that there needs to be some accountability between a pastor and the people, and that the people keep the pastor accountable, just as the pastor should be keeping the people accountable. Um, so, uh, with all that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into uh, this message. It's gonna be a little bit of a lesson slash message tonight. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with number one: the biblical reality of the pastor. The biblical um, reality of the pastor. And again, so the, the the Bible says in verse number one, "This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work." So, this is not a man-made. By the way, this is not a man-made position in the church or a role or office in the church. This is God-given. This is a this is a God-made position. Um, or role in that church, um, and it's it's a biblical reality. Um, there's several different words that are used in the Bible uh, to not they're, they're not different roles, they're not different offices. They're it's the same person, but just different um, different functions and focuses and emphasis that a pastor should have. So. Um, We have here, uh, well, we'll we'll get to this one in a second, because we're going to start with uh, letter A, presbyteros, which is translated elder. It means president, presider, moderator. So the the pastor is to have this uh, function is that he is to be the, and again, I don't really even like the word president, because in our minds, that's like the guy in charge. And really, ultimately, it's the Lord in charge, but but God has placed a man uh, to be the overseer, to be the President. And again, the President of the United States, just a reminder, uh, is not we we don't work for him. He works for us, right? and And so I'm here to serve you, um, not not you to serve me. and and so I understand that, and that's what this is talking about here. but but someone who's going to, Take charge. I mean, if if we didn't have anybody to, you know, lead a service, it would be a little bit confusing. Uh, so somebody needs to be in that role where that's his responsibility to uh, preside and to moderate. So the word elder, when you read that in in relation to um, pastors, um, Peter referenced that um, in uh, in First Peter chapter number five. I'm going to just turn over there real quick, and he says. In uh, verse number one, he says, "The elders which are among you, I exhort." So he's talking to pastors, but he uses that word "elder," which again, the presidents, the leaders of of the churches. All right. the The next word is uh, the word we find here in First Timothy three one, and that is the Greek word "episkopos," uh, which, of course most of us are familiar with the Episcopal Church, and that's where that um, that church dom- denominational name comes from, but um, it, it is translated bishop in uh, the New Testament, and this means superintendent of the working force. Um, again, one who is taking oversight, and this uh, shows us that one of the roles and responsibilities of a pastor is to take oversight of the flock of God um, and to take oversight of the church and some of the programs and, and the different aspects of the ministry. Uh, so it's somebody needs to be the one that calls the shots. And ultimately, we want God to do it, but God doesn't say, well, yeah, we need to uh, decide when the services are. Um, uh, he, he doesn't tell us what time to do that. So somebody needs to make that choice. And so this is um, one of the roles of a pastor is to take oversight and be the superintendent of the working force and to be the leader in that way. Uh, the next word is uh, poyamen, translated pastor or shepherd. And it means the one who cares for the members or the sheep. And this is the word that really... I prefer for the uh, role that I have, although you know you could call me Elder Johnson if you want to. <laughs> but that that tends to be more of a Mormon situation, right? Um, you could call me Bishop Johnson. Uh, i'm not I'm not it would be biblically correct to do that, but I, I think Pastor shows more of the heart for the people. and and that's that's, you know, um, that's something that I take very seriously the one who cares for the members uh, or the sheep. All right, then the next one is Kerus. Um, and I don't know if I'm saying that one 100% correctly, even though I did take two years of Greek. But uh, that one is translated preacher, it means one who her- heralds or proclaims divine truth, especially of the gospel. And Solomon used that. Uh, he didn't use the Greek word, but he did talk about the preacher um, quite a bit. And, and, and one of the responsibilities is for a pastor to preach the word. Um, later in Paul's letter to Timothy in the second letter, he said in chapter 4, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. So he, one of the responsibilities is to preach. It's not the only uh, so again, these names, um, these titles, these adjectives, I guess you could say, um, really explain a little bit of the full picture of what a pastor should should be and And I know some people uh, you know call a pastor a preacher, and th- there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, but that's not the only thing that they're to do. And so it's not like, well, all you do is, prepare a sermon and then get up and preach it. And that's it. <laughs> that would be kind of nice if that was all there was, uh, but there's a lot more to it. And uh, I knew there was a lot more to it before becoming a pastor. But once I became a pastor, I was like, I didn't know how much more there was to it. I'm like, wow. And uh, the to-do list never gets done. Um, it, it's always growing and and Sunday's always coming. So this Sunday, we're ready or not, It's going to be here, and uh, I better be ready. Um, Okay, so that one is there. And then the other one, the last one here is didaskalos, and that's translated teacher. It means one who teaches the word of God. And one of the qualifications um, is that when we read it, I think here in um, in verse number two of 1 Timothy 3, that uh, a pastor is to be apt to teach. Uh, verse number two, at the end of it, a bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So, um, you know, a, a pastor could... And there, there there's there, there's pastors who are stronger in some of these areas than other areas. And I know that there's some areas that I'm stronger in than I am in other areas. And every pastor, I think, is... Is that that that's the case? I think the ultimate pastor is the Lord Jesus. I mean, he's the ultimate pre, pre, presider. He's the ultimate superintendent. He's the ultimate shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the ultimate preacher. He, he's the ultimate teacher. But uh, but us as human men, um, I think you know some of us have more strengths in maybe preaching or maybe caring for the sheep or maybe administratively uh, and or maybe just leading people or, or, or teaching. Um, I, I, I try to, to grow in each of these areas. I know that there's areas that I am weaker in than in other areas and, and areas that I'm stronger in than in other areas, but the biblical reality of the pastor. So, um, the Bible does mention the pastor on multiple occasions in these different, uh, forms. All right. So, Number two, let's talk about the biblical requirements of the pastor. So just because somebody wants to be the pastor of a church says, I'll do it, no one else will do it, so I'll take, I'll take that office. It's not so simple. It's not like you sign a sign-up sheet and everybody goes, okay, well, they signed up for it, so we'll just let them have that. No, there's some biblical requirements that a, a man must meet in order to be um, the pastor, Okay, so it's not just anybody that can, anybody who's anybody who wants to do it. Um, there, there needs to be some biblical pa- requirements of the pastor. Um, let, let me just say this. Um, <laughs> it, it's not going to be um, even on the blanks here, but, but I just want to throw this out. Verse number one of 1 Timothy chapter three and verse number one, it says, this is a true saying, if a, what, what's the next word there? Let, let, let's let's look at it here. This is a true saying. If a desire the office of a worship bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, sometimes when God's word mentions man, it's kind of more of a general humankind uh, phraseology. But, but, but that's not the case when it comes to the pastor. So, um, if a church has someone who's not a man pastoring, okay, a woman who calls herself a pastor, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. Um, Because the Bible says, if a man desireth the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And then it's going to talk about how he's supposed to be the husband of one wife. How can you be the husband of one wife if you're a female? So the churches that say, well, let's let's ordain women to the ministry and ordain them to the ministry of uh, being a pastor... I'm sorry, you're out of bounds because here God's word is very clear about it. And if there's a church that has a female pastor, I'm not saying that, that they can't out preach me. I would say that they, many of them could out preach me, out administrate me, out care for people like me, but that's not who God placed and wanted to be in that role of a pastor. He wanted a man to be in that position. And uh, so I know that doesn't exactly uh, fit in with uh, the political correctness of the day, but we're not trying to be politically correct. We're trying to be biblically correct, and uh, the Bible does say if a man desireth the office of a bishop, so he has he has to be a man. He has to be a man, and uh, and and I think you have to be. Now, now I know that there's you know I think you have to be a manly man, and. And what I mean by that is not, oh, you have to be like an outdoorsman and rough and tough, but you have to have a little bit of a backbone. You need to be willing to stand tall for truth. And, uh, and that requires you to be a man and say, hey, I'm here to, um, and, and I'm not saying women can't do that. I, I'm, I'm just saying that I, God gave that leadership ability to a man uh, more so than he has to a woman. but here it is the biblical requirements of the pastor let me let me get back to the notes here. um first of all, he must be blameless. he must be blameless. and uh, verse number two tells us that a bishop then must be blameless. You can't say well, it sure be nice if he was uh, no he 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 must be and <clears throat> The word blameless, by the way, doesn't mean perfect, praise the Lord, because I would be out of here if it said that. Um, but blameless, which means that there, you can't find anything in his life that you can point to and say, well, see, there, there's hypocrisy. And again, if you look hard enough in my life, you're going to find it um, because I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. I'm flesh just like you. And uh, I struggle with my flesh, just like you struggle with yours. Um, it's not like I'm some super Christian because I have the role of a pastor. No, I, I, I'm just a Christian who happens to fulfill a biblical role within the church. Um, but blameless it means that there that that you can't go and say, "Well, look, there's there's somebody who has a bunch of skeletons in his closet, even after his salvation." Um, Because, look, all of us have been, they're they're all skeletons in our closet, and we're all sinners, and we've all been forgiven of much, Um, and and me included, me especially. But blameless means that there's a track record of reputation, of character, of, um, you know, that there's a trustworthiness about him. So, 1 Timothy 3 2 says that. But then, if you go to Titus, which is the other passage that deals with this role in in pretty good detail, Titus chapter 1 and verse number 6 says this. Uh, he, He talks about ordaining elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. And then he goes on to say in verse seven for a bishop must be blameless so it's mentioned in verse six it's mentioned in verse seven and then again back in first timothy three in verse number two this is this is a big deal must be blameless there, there must be he must have a good reputation he must have a a godly testimony in his life uh, not perfect but a godly testimony in what areas should he be blameless in and You know, we could we could break these down and spend a lot of time on each of these. Obviously, that would take a very long time. But um, number verse uh, verse number two tells us first he is to be blameless in his marriage. A a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And this does kind of bring up the whole controversial topic of well, what if a what if a pastor has been divorced? Can he still be the pastor? And I know some people take this to mean in that day there was polygamy and and where there was a husband who had multiple or a man who had multiple wives. And uh, what 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 Paul was saying here and they would say is that um, this 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 pastor can only have one wife. It doesn't matter if he's been divorced or not. but he just can't be married to multiple multiple women, and that's that's the um, the justification to try to say, well, if if a man nowadays uh, is divorced but still wants to pastor, well, we can let him because Paul was referring to just not being a polygamist. No, um, I take it to say that husband of one wife, that you're a one woman man that. And 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 practically speaking, let's say that I ha- I was divorced, and I get up here and and preach on marriage. Do you, you really think that that's the, you know if I'm a if I'm a young couple, if I'm in my twenties and been married for a couple years and going through struggles, and and you know here here's this pastor up there trying to tell me how to have a godly marriage when he couldn't keep his marriage together. And I'm not saying that that there can't be grace and forgiveness. And 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 I understand that there, there's people in this room who have been divorced. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, you, you, you couldn't preach the Bible when it comes to marriage. Because the Bible is the Bible regardless of our lives and our testimony. But I think having a godly testimony uh, is important. Because remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth? He said, follow me. As I follow Christ, and if and if I, as the pastor, don't have a good track record with marriage, I, I don't know that that's um, that's going to be the best. Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't know that that's going to be real motivating and real inspiring for people to want to follow that. Not not to mention the statistics that uh, follow those who have been divorced to continue on with that train of thought where it's like, well, that one didn't work out. So if this one doesn't work out, we'll just cancel that. I'll just return this like I do an Amazon purchase and go on to the next one. You know, and and I'm not saying anybody here who has that mentality. I'm just saying that those who have one marriage that's failed, the chances of the second one failing are pretty good. And I hope that those who have been remarried and are here today, divorced, I hope that you're, you know, obviously, you know, I want to encourage you to stay married and, and to stay with that. But uh, but you get the idea here, blameless, blameless in marriage. And so I, I, I think it is taking the high road. I, I, I would say that that's, um, that's a fair statement when you say that a pastor should never be divorced. Um, now, there is the exception not not the divorce section uh, but if a pastor's wife um, passes away while he's in the ministry and then he gets remarried i i I think that that is um falls within the biblical parameters here and i think that he remains blameless in that point Um, but when it comes to divorce i think that's a um, whether it's before his salvation after his salvation i i don't think that that um makes a difference, and uh, you can agree to disagree on that one. Um, but I just think that a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And I'm going with what the Bible says here, and, and you can try to read into what Paul meant by it. I'm just going to go with what is written here. Um, okay, so must be blameless in his marriage, but then also blameless in wisdom is the second one there. Um it says, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Um, and then here he talks about, um, so in, in his wisdom, uh, let's see, verse number, uh, verse number six goes along with this, not a novice, where he's not just coming, you know, that doesn't mean he can't be young because there's some pastors who start in their early 20s and 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 do very well but but I would I would be cautious if I was a church about rushing into uh, a young a young pastor because there's not really been that track record to say that he is blameless. There's not really that track record to see how he responds to affliction and difficulty and and trials. And if he's just like hungry to get started um and, and he may have some great talent and abilities. I think it's just like, let's, let's hold on a little bit. Let's give him some uh, other experience before we make him the one. Um, and so uh, there needs to be time to build a track record um, and for him to learn humility. In verse number six, not a novice, lest being lift, lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So he needs to be blameless in marriage, wisdom, and then family, family. And this is, a, this is a difficult one because um, he says, Paul does here in verse number four, he says, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. And then he explains why he says that, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And that's a great question. It's like if if this pastor can't even lead his own family and you really want him to lead the flock of God, really? That's, um, that's not a good idea because um, it's really a, a pastor's main ministry and first ministry is to his family. And if he's not fulfilling that ministry, how is he going to really fulfill the other ministry? So he needs to be blameless in that. And, um, and then again, if you go to Titus 1 in, uh, let's see, verse number 6, it says, if any man, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, there it's repeated to Titus as well, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Okay, and that, that doesn't mean that your children are going to be perfect, because um, my my children are certainly not, not, not perfect, and none of them are in here tonight, um, so I can talk about them all I want, but... Um, they're they're not perfect and 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 you know that you've seen them and you know some of us have had conversations about them and what they've done and not done and they're they're, they're not perfect and we're working we're working towards growth in every one of them. Uh, but this is one of those rare jobs and I think I mentioned this on my anniversary a couple weeks ago about how this is one of those rare, Jobs, really, I guess, and and I, again, I don't view it as a job. I view it as a calling, as a as a a privilege, as a good work. But um, but this is one of those situations where if if my children aren't doing right, then that could affect whether I'm I continue my employment or not. But if if you if if you're a police officer, let's say, and the um, and your children kind of. Go away from the Lord and start doing drugs and things like that. Well, that, they're not going to—they're not going to take your badge. Um, you could be the president of the United States, and your son has all kinds of horrible skeletons in his closet. Well, obviously, that doesn't mean you get removed because we see what's happening here. Um, so it's a unique situation it's some pressure that the children feel um, whether the parents put it on them i don't think i don't think most parents i really don't think most parents want to do this who are who are pastor's families uh, certainly julie and i don't we, we don't go to our children and say hey you're the pastor's kid you gotta no we, we don't want to put that pressure on them uh, they already have enough pressure with all the other things that are just naturally there but they're hopefully reading their Bibles and they're reading these passages and they're putting two and two together and they go, you know what, if I go off the deep end, if I start following the world, I could cost dad his job. And again, again, I don't look at it as my job. I look at it as a calling, as, as a good work, but, but they, they could do that. They could look at it that way. And, and so they do have a little bit of a, at least in the back of their mind and understanding that um, this, this pressure, not to mention everybody kind of looking at them with all these different expectations of what a pastor's kid should be like. And we have some pastor pastor's kids in the church, uh, several pastor's kids who grew up in the ministry and, um, and, and you know what it was like and the pressure that that was um, that other people put on you. That mom and dad maybe didn't, but other people did. And, and just like, hey, you're supposed to be the pastor's kid. What? How? Why are you acting this way? Well, because they're human, just like you are and just like I am. Well, well, why did you? Why did you act that way? I can't believe a pastor's kid would do that. I can because I have four of them, and uh, and I see them every day, and I'm like, wow. Um, no, I mean. Our kids are, I believe, heading the right direction. Do they get off course once in a while? Yes, absolutely. But do I get off course once in a while? Sometimes. And do you? Yeah, we all do. So we need grace. And um, But there is this expectation. If it's a pattern and a continual problem within the church where these kids are wreaking havoc and they're, guilty and constantly being accused of riot or unruly and he's not able to take care of his own ha- own house that's that's a time where that church that, that pastor just kind of honestly it should should be on the pastor to come before the church or the men of the church and say hey man i i'm struggling with my family right now and I, i'm just going to need either some time to i'm going to need to step away from the ministry for a little bit and maybe you know I, I i think that that is uh something that a pastor should do and if he doesn't and then the, then, the, then the leadership of the church needs to approach him in grace and humility not with this critical ungodly spirit but in with grace and humility and say hey brother we we know that you're struggling with your family and we think you should take some time to really focus on that and you know we can get somebody else in here for the time being to take things over so that you can focus on really getting your priorities recalibrated and getting the heart of your children back. Um, but he must be blameless in these areas. That's what the Word of God says. And the, the challenge is once, once the children end up leaving the house and start living life on their own and they start going in direction... That does not coincide with the scriptures. Then what? I think at that point you say, "Look, let's let's give that that brother some some grace because his his sons are old enough or his daughters are old enough now to make their own choices and and now it comes down to the free will and he can't control now what's going on with them as they've moved on um, and I don't think we need to hold that over their head um, and I guess each church would have to. Uh, walk through those uh, situations uh, case by case. and But I would encourage you, again, if, if the Lord moves you on or if, if something happened to one of my children after they move on, uh, we're getting ready to have that happen here soon where they're going to now be making their own choices. Um, and if they choose to go in a direction that, again, is not for the Lord, um, you we just need to walk through those things with grace and patience and and not just jumping at the opportunity, hey, this is our chance to get rid of them. <laughs> look what the look what his son posted on Facebook. Let's let's no no no, that's that's ungodly. Let's let's be patient and and make that kind of a, a last resort, but be willing to do it as well if if need be. So uh, let me let me cover this other one here, and then and then we'll we'll be done with this this message for tonight. Um, secondly, so first he must be blameless. Secondly, he must be behaved. He must be behaved. Um, 1 Timothy three two. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. He's not given to wine. He's no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. So he must be behaved in these areas, in hospitality, holiness, temperance, and finances. He needs to welcome people. I mean, I know that there's, again, some pastors who um, are more people people, people who are people people. I don't know if that's even... But you know, what I'm talking about somebody who enjoys just to be around others and really just gets energized by by fellowship and just is so outgoing. And he's a people person. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, and then there's some guys who are like, man, just put me in my office. I just want to study and be around the books and I want to I want to prepare. And like, I, I know I need to be part of fellowships here and there, but, you know, I, I would prefer to be on my own. Um that's, that's probably where I would lean to, but I also want to be around others. I'm, I'm not only in that, in that category. Um, but there needs to be a hospitality where they're, they're, they want to be around people and, and enjoy that. They need to be given to hospitality. And then there needs to be, uh, they need to be behaved in holiness. Um, he talks about um, get, not given to wine. Um, he needs to be sober, and that's not just talking about not being drunk. He needs to be serious minded. but then he he needs to not be given to wine and that he's not a striker. He's not going to go and say, "Hey, you didn't say, you know, amen in my message today, let's meet out in the parking lot after church. okay? No, that 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 a pastor who has that mentality uh, doesn't need to be in that office. And then uh, with temperance, again, I've already talked about the alcohol aspect, not given to wine. Now, and and it is interesting when we talk about the deacons, it's talking about how they're not given to much wine, but the uh, the the pastors are not given to wine. There there's a higher standard here, and um, that doesn't mean they're better. That just means that God has given him a higher standard to fulfill, and. Um, it's it's a higher road to take, and for the purpose of example, and then uh, and then finances, uh, temperance, and and then finances. He says here, not covetous. He's not greedy of filthy lucre. He's not in it for the money. He's not a hireling. He's not just like hey, um, you know, and always talking about money, 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 but. Um, And it also talks about, later on, it says he's not covetous. Yeah, in verse number three, he's not covetous. So, yeah, um, he is well-behaved. Now, here's what, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read this one here. Bob Moorhead in The Growth Factor said this, God, give us men, ribbed with the steel of your Holy Spirit, men who will not flinch when the battle's fiercest, Men who won't acquiesce or compromise or fade when the enemy rages. God, give us men who can't be bought, bartered, or badgered by the enemy. Men who will pay the price, make the sacrifice, stand the ground, and hold the torch high. God, give us men obsessed with the principles true to your word. Men stripped of self-seeking and a yen for security. Men who will pay any price for freedom and go any lengths for truths. God, give us men delivered from mediocrity, men with vision high, pride low, faith wide, love deep, and patience long, men who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a distant drummer, men who will not surrender principles of truth in order to accommodate their peers. God, give us men more interested in scars than medals, more committed to conviction than convenience, men who will give their life for the eternal Instead of indulging their lives for a moment in time, give us men who are fearless in the face of danger, calm in the midst of pressure, bold in the midst of opposition. God, give us men who will pray earnestly, work long, preach clearly, and wait patiently. Give us men who, whose walk is by faith, behavior is by principle, whose dreams are in heaven, and whose book is the Bible. God, give us men who are equal to the task. Those are the men the church needs today. It's a great, uh, a great, great passage that was written there. And uh, I pray that I am that man for this church. But I can't be the only man like that in our church. I want to encourage many men in our church, all the men, to be like that. Now, you may not have the office of a pastor. But but you can fulfill the same things. You can be strong in the face of adversity. Some of you face adversity that I'll never face at work. Um, I work with Brother Blake and Miss Rebecca on a regular basis. It's not that difficult to take a stand for God among those. Well, sometimes, especially when Brother Blake gets pretty passionate about basketball, I need to put a I need to keep him in line and say, "No, hockey's better." Uh, we need to stand for that. Uh, but no, no. I mean, some of you are in hostile territory for the for the Lord, and you, I want to encourage you to not flinch when the battle is fiercest. That you won't acquiesce or compromise or fade when the enemy rages. Uh, my challenges look differently than yours, but but I hope that many men in our church, all the men in our church, stand up and be men of God. And I'm looking forward to sharing a couple uh, messages at the men and boys camp out along those lines. And uh, I want to just encourage our men uh, to be men of God who uh, take a stand and who are leading their homes and in the church and in our community. Well, uh, we'll continue on uh, next week with uh, the biblical responsibilities of the pastor. So those are the requirements that we looked at and and again we could have taken a lot more time to go through each and every one in great detail but um, I want to go ahead and just move along and and, and next week we'll look at the biblical responsibilities of the pastor and then um, the biblical relationship with the pastor that a Christian should have. What are some of the things that a Christian should be, uh, what kind of relationship should you have with the pastor? What are some of the responsibilities that you have as a Christian within the church uh, in regards to the pastor. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll look at some prayer requests and uh, continue our service that way. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for, uh, Lord, the men in my life in the past who have taken that role of pastor. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness and their example and their, uh, Lord, how you use them in my life. And God, I pray... I'm just going to pray selfishly right now for myself that you'd help me to be um, a godly, faithful pastor to this congregation that you have uh, placed me in. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be found faithful. Help me not to be a castaway. Lord, that's my greatest fear, is that I would I would jeopardize uh, this and that I would cease to be blameless. So, Lord, I pray you'd help me to stay faithful, help me to stay right with you. Uh, Lord, help me to lead um, gently and and softly and and graciously this flock. And Lord, I thank you for each one within this church family. And and God, I pray that you would put a protective hedge about each of them, and that you would watch over them, and that you would help them to walk in truth. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd help me to lead the way in all of that. Help me to walk in truth and to live the truth and to proclaim the truth faithfully. And uh, Lord, thank you for the time together tonight as we've discussed these things. And um, I pray, Lord, now you bless this time of prayer requests in Jesus' name. Amen.